guys, it's Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. On this podcast, we talk AJ McKee's first loss at Bellator 277 to Patricio Pitbull and what that does to his stock going forward. Plus, is Paul Heyman the best manager in pro wrestling? We analyze the claim to see if it holds up. Let's go. This loss for AJ McKee, I mean, this this is huge news. How much of a setback is this for AJ McKee? What does this do for, you know, to, to have his record, which was 18 and 0, now I to know. be 18 and 1? Like, damn it. It's upsetting. Well, it, it, it is. I mean, also it, happy for it, you, Pitbull. Great job. Yeah, right. Just throw that in there really quick. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a hell of a win. What a hell of a performance for sure. Both guys, I thought they looked phenomenal. I thought they both looked like UFC caliber guys. I don't know why anybody has never talked about Pitbull really in the UFC. But um, regardless, we're talking about um, we're talking about McKee here. So he's 18 and one that, you know, mystique of being undefeated is now no longer available. It's been tarnished. Does, yeah. Does the UFC typically sign fighters off of losses? No. I don't know if they ever really do that. I mean, matchmakers do change and, 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 you know, sometimes there's some differences in, in styles of how they like to put fights together and who Couldn't they like to Couldn't you just sign someone in? to like a shorter term deal or like... I don't know. Try like, does it have to be like this long-term contract? Um, well, interestingly enough, um, I have heard of like some people signing like four fight deals as opposed to six, sometimes six or eight. I think it depends if like you're towards like more the end of your career in total and not like a champion per se. Mm -hmm. But if you're in like championship clauses, they're going to try to lock you down, you know, eight fights. And I don't know, maybe six fights is somewhere in the middle. But that doesn't really matter because the UFC keeps the ball in their court anyways, too, that they can kind of really release you for any reason at any point, sure. right? It's only yeah. supposed to be off of losses, but if you're, like, difficult to work with and you don't uh, agree to fights, like, turn down fights, then they could potentially let you go for that reason, too. Um, right. Not getting too carried away in that rabbit hole, though. I did want to just highlight that um, just depends on the interest level of the UFC. If – if I think I think perfect scenario – is that AJ McKee, he lost this fight, so he's out of his championship clause because I'm sure that that would have locked him down a lot longer. Um, So he's out of his championship clause. If he comes back and wins one fight, so he's back on a winning course, especially if he has maybe like one more fight, we're still unclear whether that was his last fight in his contract or whether he may still be Dana White. I know commented saying like he's not sure if he's still a free agent, if he's a free agent yet, doesn't think that he is. So that would lead me to believe, okay, he might have like one more fight. If he gets on the winning streak, finishes a contract in one more fight. I know he's close to the end because he's been, you know, alluding to that. Um, then I think he could really find a clear route to the UFC. You can't be the champion I mean, of Bellator, how unforgiving, though, and make it to the though. UFC. Sure, but I mean, that, yeah, it's such a bummer to think of, like, just how forgiving, the uh, unforgiving the business can be to be like, oh, 18, and sorry you got that one. You're no good to us. Get out of here. Like, that sucks. Yeah, well, that it's the hype blows. that everybody was so high on him. And absolutely because that fight was a very close fight i really thought both guys looked phenomenal i thought aj looked amazing um i thought that he you know there was an argument to be had where he could have won the fight i wasn't completely Mm -hmm. convinced that that you know that 
either one of them was like the clear winner. I mean, it was a it yeah. Was I mean, a if you if you lose by like a brutal knockout or like some wacky yeah. submission or something like that, like that's one thing where you kind of be like, ooh, whoops, a daisy, yeah. you got you fucked up. And but like when it was close yeah. like that, it's like. I know it was such a pace and both guys looked amazing. So I still think there's a ton of value that anybody watching AJ McKee is going to have to recognize. Okay. So he lost because of three people's opinions on this whole planet. Three people's opinions. It just thought that it was, you know, that it wasn't his night. He lost the decision. He didn't get finished. Um, Some may argue otherwise that they didn't think that he lost that decision. I think it, you know, it's a little, a little controversial. Um, so look, if he if he can pick up, just get back on the winning column, not be under the championship clause, mm-hmm. having been the Bellator champ, I mean, I think we could definitely see him in the UFC, and it sounds like that's where he wants to go. I like to use Michael Chandler again as an example, you know, sure. who was there battling the best and kind of just had the right right appeal. I think AJ has that as well. Now we're talking about money, though. I don't think the UFC is going to pay anybody a million dollars. I mean, not. Well, sure, not anybody, sure, but not sure. AJ let's McKee. Not get, a million let's not dollars get too a fight. Car- yeah. Let's not get and then too he is also there. So he called out uh, Volkanovsky at 145. I was just like, hey, I just don't think that it, it's very impressive. Um, I think that would be an incredible fight. I don't care that he just lost to Patricio Pitbull because um, I thought he, he looked fun- Some people just don't. Sometimes you watch a fight and there are no losers. That's how I right. felt about this fight. I felt that they both Pitbull got and McGee, they That's, both were you know? winners. And it's just yeah. we had that we had to choose somebody. But I think um AJ McKee could present a lot of problems for for anybody in the hundred and forty five pound division, including Okay, you but, know, the champ himself. Oh, hell of a fight. Yes. So before we can delve a, a little bit more into uh, you know, if McKee were to go over to UFC, were to continue fighting at 145, let's take everyone back to the Bellator 277 post-fight presser um, as McKee is talking about those weight classes. At the end of the day, you know, it's back to the drawing board. Um, shit, I want my rematch at 55s then. What's up? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like I've been telling you, I'm down with 45s. Um, unless we get some super fights going. Um, I've been at 45s for years, years and years and years, cutting a lot of weight. I don't think people like to see what goes into it. Um, it's a lot of work, not just for myself, for my team, for my family. <laughs> um, yeah, it's rough seeing me get down to 45s. Yeah. <laughs> Trilogies are some of the best parts of combat sports. Is that something that you're looking for next? Um, sure, 55s. Why not? It's like major. stronger, bigger. Yeah, I'm going to unleash that beast, monster style, baby. Release that beast. What do you think of McKee uh, coming in at 155 instead? I mean, you know, just reading about, you know, him talking about what it's like even getting down to 145, like how miserable that is for him, for his team, for his family, uh, what those cuts have been looking like for years and years and years. Do you Mm -hmm. want to see him fight at 155? Yes, he looked so 
big for 145. I mean, his reach and height, and that's probably something that's really played a factor in how well that he's done, right? He has these massive physical advantages at 145, but eventually that starts to take a toll. And as you mature and you grow and, you know, if he just doesn't feel like this is healthy for him anymore, I'm just not an advocate of, you know, massive weight cuts. And he was kind of saying there, look, he's cutting a lot of weight. When you're cutting a lot of weight, you can only do that so many times before you really start to wear your body down and break your body down and injuries start to incur. So mm-hmm. if he feels like 155 might be where it's at, I think he has the physical attributes to do it. And he's really smart. He wants, he's asking for the trilogy against Pitbull at a weight class where the belt the wouldn't be on the line. Him. Oh so he, yeah. Yeah. So, right. So think about that. He could beat, if he could beat Pitbull by going up to 55, but also not be in the the championship clause clause situation get that win and Um, get out of there that might be best case scenario smart man smart man i like a strategist i like that a lot um okay so moving things back to um you know if he were to end up in ufc you love the idea of seeing him and uh volkanovsky I do. I love the the idea of him and Volkanovski. I think that'd be a hell of a fight. I really don't know who would win, honestly. I mean, I, I think the world of Volkanovski, but it's rare to find somebody with, like I said, the height and reach of yeah. AJ McKee at 145 and the skill set. I mean, the guy can wrestle. He's so long. He can strike. He is so dangerous on the ground. I mean, he's really got a lot going for him. So that's the, those are the kind of fights that you want to see but it would be interesting too if he came over at 155 you know i wouldn't be sad about that that's already a stellar division in the ufc um but i think he is ufc caliber without question i absolutely think he is a ufc caliber athlete what about pitbull i think he is too i I think he is too i think he's very strong very talented i I again I don't know why there's not as much hype on him as some of the other guys like maybe maybe he's happy in Bellator you know maybe he just hasn't sure. kind of piped up he hasn't really yeah said like hey I want to go over to the UFC he's, he's happy where he's at and then and that's great good for him you know we you don't want to necessarily take away um you know all of Bellator stars and I certainly think you know Pitbull is one of the the best mm-hmm. ones for, yeah. for for Bellator as far as the name draw goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. It makes me yeah. so bummed that like to go 18 and one. And now it's like, no, to like go back to the drawing board, figure out what that next plan is. If you are AJ McKee's manager, Misha, what do you do with him? I say win the trilogy at 155 and uh, gun for the UFC, unless he can get there sooner without having to fight Patricia. I mean, obviously it is a dangerous fight. He beat him the first time, but lost him the second fight. Maybe they don't want to take a chance of losing, you know, the second fight in the trilogy. If you're trying to come over to the OC, that would majorly hurt your stock. I don't think his stock goes down too much in this loss because if you watch the fight, like I said, it was like there were no losers. It was like nobody lost that fight. What we say in pro wrestling with that is they both got over, brother. Yeah, exactly. They both got over. <laughs> and I loved every second of it. And I don't know how you can't watch that fight and say, like, these guys, you know, are not UFC caliber athletes. They mm-hmm. are. They're UFC caliber fighters. So, I mean, with that being said, I I, I I, think the only problem is, is that 
it would hurt him financially trying to come over to the UFC because the UFC will, if he comes over off of a loss, if, if that were to be They're a gonna thing. They're going to lowball him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to lowball him. And I don't know if he's going to want to take that, that kind of money. I don't, well, I don't know. He's talking about making those paid. millions. Yeah. I mean, he I said he didn't want to step in the ring right or now, octagon but... for less than yeah. a million. Is that what he said? Was that? Yeah. Yeah. So right, right? I. Bold. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to pan out per se. He might just outprice himself and yeah. we may never, we, we may never get it, but I do think he makes a better case coming over off of a win, do you know, to get more money than trying to come in over off of a loss. So come in on that upswing. Yeah. Maybe it's not, you know, if I'm the manager, maybe it's not about the trilogy per se, although, um, he's probably going to be definitely going to be the bigger and stronger at 155. I think, you know, if Patricia has to come up and meet him there, then the likeliness that he wins it is probably a little bit better, higher for McKee. So my question to you you mentioned for both McKee and Pitbull that they both looked like UFC caliber fighters. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What, like, what does that look like through your eyes of the difference uh, of, of fighters between Bellator and UFC? Like, what do, you, what do you look for in those like, minor differences to really push someone and catapult someone into that next level? Well, it's for me, it's not just about what you can do offensively, but it's how you deal with situations defensively. I look at the technique that these guys are showing and I say that is on par or above some of the people in the UFC. You know, how is their sharpness? How is their movement? How is their takedowns? How how correct is the takedown defense? How well do they move on the ground? Are they able to scramble? Are they able to do all of the things that I would expect a top top tier um fighter to be able to do and the answer for both of these guys is absolutely absolutely they think they elevate the bar of expectation and that's what you would want in the ufc who does all of the scouting for ufc it's obviously not just all dana like who else is out there looking for who those next people are that are being signed well the the matchmakers um i don't know if hunter campbell does any um he's the the like chief of business operations and you hear a lot his name when it comes to contracts Mm -hmm. so i don't know if he contractually if he has any say in that or if it's just the matchmakers but the matchmakers go out there um and and you know try to bring in the the new talent so you'll see a lot of them coming over from invicta you'll see a lot of them coming over from lfa um you know those and the matchmakers are yeah, I mean, that's that's their job description. They've got to find the next up-and-coming star, and they've got to put the fights together to, yeah. um, you know, tell the story, too. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody, this is Lindsay Rhodes, and with the NFL playoffs underway, what better time than now to check out my podcast, The NFL Road Show? We're going to break down the biggest games, key players, every angle in between with guests that go past the low-hanging fruit and get to what you really need to know. We'll have new episodes every Monday and Thursday all the way through Super Bowl 56 in my hometown of Los Angeles. So please subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included with most subscriptions. It is time to talk the best managers in professional wrestling. Um, I've, I truly love the role of a manager of a valet in pro wrestling. There is such an art to it. 
Um, and there's different degrees of it, of course. I mean, whether you're looking at a Miss Elizabeth to a Bobby the Brain Heenan to a Paul Heyman um, to Paul Bearer, they all bring something different to the table. And I think, you know, you kind of say any of those names and they all sort of strike a chord with you depending on when you were watching wrestling, what you were into, what their their talent meant to you, uh, what they meant to you. Um, but one man that is claiming that he is the best manager of all time. Um, let's just let him have the floor. Let's hear what he's got to say. I don't believe in the word possibly at all. I think it's undisputed. I am the greatest manager, advocate, special counsel of all time. And if for no other reason besides the first 35 years of my stellar career on top, I am the special counsel to the tribal chief, the head of the table, the end-all, be-all, Roman Reigns, who smashed, absolutely smashed Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania to unify the WWE and Universal Heavyweight Championships. It is now the, T-H-E-E, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world of this entire industry. I mean, listen, okay, so for people that don't know that voice, that was one Paul Heyman. Now, listen, I have to agree with him, and I'm sure the wrestling pundits are going to have something to say about this, but for me, from when I started... Sure, and everyone can have an opinion. Let's let's have a healthy, good conversation about it. That's what I was going to ask you, what do you think makes a good pro wrestling manager? Like, what are the bullet points? Okay, so the reasons why I think Paul Heyman especially is, is, you know, the best to do it from the time that I've been watching wrestling and also my time working in wrestling, um, being able to see Paul Heyman do his thing. And this goes from beyond what when you see him walk out of Gorilla, walk down the ramp, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman, and he gets into his promo and he's putting over uh, whoever his wrestling talent is, whether it's Roman Reigns, B- Brock Lesnar, CM Punk, whoever happens to be beside him at that time. Um, and he's just so great. He's so magnetic at drawing in the crowd or making them hate him and having a manager that can have an entire arena wrapped around their finger to, you know, jump on the Brock Lesnar. Like, he makes everybody want to participate and play along. But what I was starting to say is, like, the stuff that happens behind the scenes with Paul Heyman, too, is, like, I mean, he really, truly takes the time with talent, people that have been there a long time, people that are new to the the world of pro wrestling. He really does, like, a 360 job with people of just making sure that the right people are highlighted, the right people are put in the right spot. Um, Heyman is somebody that, you know, even from early on in my career, he was really great at taking me under his wing and teaching me certain things. When I was doing commentary, he was a guy like I could sit up in the, you know, in the stands before the show and just be getting tips and little ways to kind of try to push things in and out of the wrestling world. And that comes to his time of doing commentary and his time of even being in control of the commentary team. And he just, he works every single job in the pro wrestling world. And I think that's what, what makes him just so instrumental in wrestling in general. But, and and that's just talking about like the, his job in totality, not even just him as a performer, but I mean, he really does it all. I think you, you bring a really good point is that since he's dabbled in so many different aspects of it, he kind of knows what each department 
needs to like what what do you need to build a star it sounds like you know what i mean what do you need like from the yes. marketing side from the commentary what side do you need like, commentary? what are they going to yes. want to talk about what are they going to want you know just having what done should it your is entrance gonna... look like like exactly. every little thing what's your gear look like like yeah you're right he knows how to do that like star maker thing. yeah well and i think having um, worked in each field is going to help him to understand you know what those fields look for when they're looking to promote somebody you know or looking to talk yeah. about somebody you know what i mean it just helps like i always say too i think um i think that referees and judges i think they should have to train martial arts i think they should have an understanding of it because in order to yeah. judge it properly you should know how it works inside and yeah. out, upside down, backwards, forwards, you know, spinning I mean, around. Like a, you should understand it. I will say about, um, about pro wrestling referees is that, you know, most of them, I would say all of them have trained in some capacity or another. I mean, a lot of times maybe it's somebody that wanted to be a wrestler and things didn't maybe work out. So this is the career path that they ended up in, but they know how to take a bump. They know what the moves are. They, they understand what it is like being inside that ring. And you're right. That does make a, a massive, massive difference. It makes someone so much better at their job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Paul Heyman to me, I mean, I do, I, I do think that he is the best wrestling manager. So, okay, there's a um, a list put together here by Bleacher Report of the 10 best wrestling managers. Actually, I would love to hear from other people what they have to say. So in at number 10 is Miss Elizabeth. Um, you know, you're looking at, of course, a little macho man, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Um, who doesn't love Miss Elizabeth? Let's put her in the Hall of Fame already. Let's do it. Um, Sensational Sherry, followed up by J.J. Dillon. Paul Bearer. So Paul Bearer is one that I... Also, love, 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 love. I never got to work with Paul Bearer. Um, he was he was uh, already not working in WWE when I, I was uh, there. So I was always so sad that I never got to work with him because I've only heard the nicest, most glowing things about him. And I feel like we could have been thick as thieves. And the opportunity just uh, never, never oh. surfaced. Um, in at number six, classy Freddie Blassie. Then Paul Heyman in at number five, like Bleacher Report. Heyman in at number five, that's pretty stiff, I think. Number well, four, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart. Okay. Uh, Captain Lou Albano. Jim Cornette. And then the one that I think everybody's going to want to jump on, of course, is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, you know, I, I, any wrestling fan loves them. Some Bobby the Brain Heenan working with Paul Orndorff, um, King Kong Bundy, Rick Rude, Big John Studd, and of course, Mr. Perfect, uh, you know, feuds with, you know, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, all of these, like the names of the who's who. Um, there's just so many names that you can attach to uh, to Bobby the Brain Heenan and looking at, you know, his career as a commentator and all the other amazing things that uh, that he's been able to do in the world of pro wrestling. So I, to me, it's those two. It's Bobby the Brain Heenan and it's Paul Heyman. If I had yeah. to say, which I well, do, you would definitely have the experience. So I feel like I definitely am not able to comment as well on this, but I'm, but, but, um, to your point, it, it makes sense why somebody who has experience in all these different fields and really is yeah. passionate and gets the and game. It, it also like means something to be a Paul Heyman guy. It means yeah. something. Uh, I, I will always remember. It's funny. I remember being backstage and there was rumblings that, that Paul Heyman was going to have a new guy. 
Um, and everyone's like, who is it? Who is it? What's going to happen? Like, cause you know that that means it's like big deal. You know, you're going to get a big push from the company. A lot of people are going to be behind you. You start building up a lot of steam. And this, this was a long time ago. This God probably would have been back in like 2013, 14. Um, and it was Joe Hennig, um, uh, Kurt, Curtis Axel. Um, and it was funny. Cause yeah, I remember being backstage being like, who is it? Who's going to come out with Heyman? And like, what is that situation going to be like? And it, just knowing like what that buzz was. Cause we like legit did not know backstage. There was some, uh, some kayfabery was happening in the back as to who was going to be coming out with Paul Heyman. Um, but yeah, it, it really does mean a lot to, to be able to work with Paul Heyman. A name that I often see thrown around, uh, that, that could work with Paul Heyman is Ronda Rousey. Uh, when you need someone that can really be that charismatic person around you, let Rhonda go out and do her thing. Let her be that killer athlete. Let her thrive like that. And it take a little off her plate in terms of she's doing some of these promos. Right no, she's not. But I think a lot of people would lo like love yeah. the idea of Rhonda working with Paul or something in that capacity. I mean, if it's right. not Paul, I actually love the idea of it being somebody like Paige. Um, Paige has been out of action for some years now out with a neck injury, but she also is just so charming, so great on the mic. Um, just also has that magnetic quality. I think putting her do, in a role like that would be awesome. Do managers, this might be a really silly question, but do managers in the pro wrestling world often manage athletes in uh, uh, multiple organizations? Like would they do um, WWE and AEW like they have athletes or do they kind of stick to one organization do they come do they so kind they of become a part of the one. organization okay but because you're a character you become a full character on tv right. you would be signing a talent contract so yeah you would just be with so it's with very WWE different than mma managers or with aw yeah it is not like a legit talent manager in the sense of like i'm doing your contracts for you we're gonna right. get you booked okay in this venue this is the fight we're looking for like i mean you're saying those things on camera but it's really right, you. right. You're, you're a talent you are a talent yeah and it's the you're star doing promos, they're there to you're doing help scripts. boost your career yeah. like right to star yeah, build well, you it's you know if there's a wrestler that has all of the skills all the tools to just like brock lesnar is like a prime example for this where like the dude is a li quite literally and figuratively a beast the beast but you have someone like Paul Heyman who jumps on the mic and he adds that other element to the act that is Brock Lesnar rather than him just going out and destroying people we had not heard a Brock Lesnar promo until right before Wrestlemania Brock Lesnar has always had like Paul Heyman speaking for him so to be able to hear Brock talk for himself and he did a great bang up job but that might not have been the case you know however many years ago of Brock becoming a Paul Heyman guy um so I, yeah I think that yeah you wait want wasn't to have he just that. saying that Brock got his butt kicked by um so, so why is there, he yeah yeah I'm like okay wait I'm confused because <laughs> okay, so, I'm like wasn't he talking about Roman okay, Reigns so in, like, Roman Reigns in, guy yes Yes. So in, in pro wrestling story, storyline land, Brock Lesnar and Roman were having a feud together and Paul Heyman being the mega star that he is for him to switch alliances was part of their storyline. So he ended up going on to work with Roman Reigns yeah. and then having, you know, turning his back on Brock Lesnar, which made for great television. Very, very good stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's more so about them being a character on television and all those names yeah. I rattled off. That's what they were doing. They were characters on television. They were enhancements for their 
Do they sometimes, ever, like, sometimes yeah. they will. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, if you're taking a slap to the face or you're, you know, you take a bump in some capacity they, you know, very rarely are they going to jump up and do a moonsault or something, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, there, there can definitely be some physicality involved. You want that. You, you want someone, I think that can have a little physicality involved yeah. in, in what they're doing because you want that payoff sometimes, you know, if somebody getting slapped or, you yeah. know, taking a power bomb or whatever. Uh, I think it's, it's cool to be able to, to add that layer in there. I've already uh, staked my claim. I put my uh, my flag in the sand. That is Paul Heyman. He's my guy. Uh, to me, Paul Heyman uh, just encapsulates all things pro wrestling manager. He works with the best talent. He helps get them over. He helps put them in a, a position of prominence. All while just being so damn smooth on the mic. So charismatic. And it's the little things, the facial reactions he does, uh, his speech patterns, all of these things that just make him so damn good at what he does. Heyman with Rhonda would be great, or her with a manager, I think, would be awesome. Because, and this is not a knock on on Rhonda at all, but it's like it's just not. It's not easy. It's not easy to adapt to the world of pro wrestling while also like learning scripts and these scripts are changing and the verbiage can be really specific. You can get really caught up and stuff. You just get stuck in your head and it's really hard to, you know, still be charismatic sometimes when you're like in your head about what do I have to say? What's the next line? What's happening? Like that can really, that fucks up anybody. It's rough. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. Um, how big would you say facial expression is? I never really thought about that before. Huge. Huge. But that might be the one thing I was going to say. I thought before I knew anything about pro wrestling and I've been doing my best to kind of catch up a little bit, you know, like to, to, to you know, because we do this show. I, I, I'm trying to dabble in the world a little bit, <laughs> give a little bit more of a shit, but um <laughs> <laughs> we I'm appreciate trying. you, Misha. We appreciate you. I really thought before I knew anything about pro wrestling that Rhonda would do well in it because to me she had kind of a pro wrestling attitude inside of MMA. But then what I realized is like that's just kind of really her and she's always just kind of like that way. But I don't know if like her being exactly her has translated as well in pro wrestling. I'm, you know, and I'm probably not the best person to speak on it and people will probably be like, oh, you know, you're just being a hater or whatever. I think her her athletics, like the pro wrestling part, is like really, really good. I it's mean great. It's great. It's phenomenal. But the uh, thing yeah. I noticed when I watched her was like, um, there was two things, like uh her facial expression was like pretty much the same the whole time. And then um she was adjusting her clothes a lot. And I don't know if mm. that's like a thing at all or whatever, but I just, I, I just happened to notice it. And I think she did that in MMA a little bit too, actually. So maybe it's just a tick, you know, I maybe it's just a thing. Say- she does. Yeah, I think it is. Cause I, I feel like I actually remember her saying that at one point that it is a thing. She's that she's, she fidgets with her, with her clothes yeah. and stuff sometimes. I, I don't know why or what the deal is. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, as a little tick, a little odd thing that that you do here and there but no I, I you know I think the thing is it's like as much as you can be this outstanding athlete and yeah she does a great job when when it's like down to like you know wrestling and especially someone that has been in it for not a very long time she does a fucking excellent job but when it comes to speaking and being uh, you know doing promos and whatnot that's when like the theater side kicks in right like, that's when you have to deliver be a little bit more line, than just who you are right you've got to be like project yeah 
exactly you've got to like I get it I can only imagine it's very very difficult and that's why I think it makes sense right that somebody like Paul Heyman could probably help just give her a little spice or what else is like a bit of a mind fuck too is like you're there with a microphone the crowd's interacting with you so if you're not prepared for the crowd to start going what 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 or like booing or cheering or whatever during your promo you're like what the fuck is happening Mm -hmm. right now And then you're looking to like the hard cam, which is like this tiny red dot, like a hundred yards away from you in a sea of people. So you're looking around at these 20,000 people while also trying to hit your tight shot of the camera that's like super far away from you. Or, you know, there's the cameras in the ring and whatnot too, but it's hard to like, you're trying to project to the crowd that's there while also doing small stuff that the yeah. camera can pick up. So it's like being a theater and television actor all in one. And those are different things and they're different skills. Um, so it's, it's not an easy thing. And that's why the people yeah. that are great promos, when you talk about somebody like Charlotte, who like, to me, Charlotte's fucking awesome at promos. She's Watching really her. Good. As a heel or a baby face, I think she's awesome at it. Um, and, and kudos to her. I mean, you she look was at ca- like She's her. very captivating. Uh, I will admit, very. you know, she really very. is. She's got yeah. a lot of charisma when she's out there. She really, really does. And, and watching her process and knowing her as a person and like her whole story of being like Ric Flair's daughter and the things she's gone through. I, I just think she's so fascinating and so great at what she does. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.